Welcome to ContenderCast, a global leadership and consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now, here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. It's Justin Hahnemann on the ContenderCast. We're shining a light on bright ideas today in the beverage space. Coffee is our topic today. I can't even wait to jump in. This company called Kahawa. I can't even wait to have you guys hear about this. Um, on the podcast today is Maggie Nawamumbo. She is the CEO and founder. I am so excited that you're here. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Justin. Maggie, it's great to ha- have you on. Okay, is it Kahawa1893 or is it just Kahawa? Uh, you can call it Kahawa. Kahawa it. means coffee in Swahili, which is um, the language that we speak in Kenya. So it's a little bit of way of educating people about the way that chai is tea, Kahawa ah, is coffee. I love it. Okay, yeah. well, we just, <laughs> jumped, we just jumped right in. Um, hey, Maggie, yeah. it's so great having you here. I can't wait to unpack the, your background and the, this company. This coffee brand sounds amazing. Um, you're already in retail at Trader Joe's. That's pretty amazing, too. Um, but before we do that, share with our audience a little bit of your story, You know, your personal story before you started the business. Yeah, so I founded Kahawa 1893 Coffee about uh, four years ago in New York. I was working on Wall Street at the time, and I used to cover retail companies. So I got exposure to up-and-coming brands and legacy brands. And I started thinking about what industry, what was happening in different industries. And coffee was particularly interesting to me because a lot of private equity activity was happening to it. And that's essentially what was happening at the um, sort of big coffee level. And while I was in New York, obviously, I survived on coffee to (laughs) work late when you're doing investment banking. You know, you were going home sometimes when the sun's coming out. So coffee was how I stayed productive. But during the weekends, when I started exploring the special, the growth, specialty coffee scene in New York, I got really interested in uh, where, you know, where the coffee was coming from because people were starting to pay $5 for a cup of coffee, right. but the farmers, I, but the farmers were not getting their money back. And I knew that because I am a coffee farmer. I grew up on a coffee farm in Kenya. And so I had a very intimate experience with coffee growing. And when I immigrated to the United States, that's when I discovered where we used to send our coffee to the U.S. And now I was really interested in connecting those two worlds, the growing side and the consuming side. In particular, for me, what was interesting was the role of women in coffee, uh, because the, the labor in, in coffee, about 90 percent of the labor in coffee comes from women. But the women are not well represented or they don't get compensated. Got it. So I wanted to start a company that would center that women um, in in. Uh, in, in the role of coffee. Wow, that's amazing. I love that and a great purpose. Um, I In my homework I did on you, I read you were a Harvard graduate and you quit your job at a Wall Street investment bank to become third generation Kenyan coffee farmer. How did you make that decision? You know, How do you go from, <laughs> hey, I'm on this career path with big investment bank to I'm going to quit and go focus on coffee? Yeah, I mean, two, two things really. I think it was more of I growing up, essentially around parents that were entrepreneurs, they had always said, do not become an entrepreneur, go to school, get educated and get a desk job. So entrepreneurship was sort of the last thing on my, on my list. But after I had done all that, you know, going to school, gotten educated and had a job, I got the itch. I had always wanted to create something from scratch. 
and I was uh, approaching 30. So I had a superficial, you know, sort of uh, deadline that I wanted to do something by the time I was 30 and I was approaching 30. That was really <laughs> that it. Was your artificial deadline. <laughs> that was my artificial deadline, but also, um, I think having the safety net. So having the Harvard MBA, knowing that, look, I can always find a job if I need one, but I, I'm not always going to be under 30. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And so, so that was my push of like, you know, why not? Why not now? Um, so that was sometimes you need an artificial, you know, reason. Right. No doubt. So you put an artificial reason out there. Um, how, you know, what were the first steps you had to take to even jump into this industry? Um, the first step was, even though I knew a lot about the growing side, I didn't know too much about what happens once the coffee leaves the farm. I didn't know the importing, the roasting, sort of the marketing side of, of coffee. All I knew was, you know, I could go into a coffee shop and get a cup of coffee. And I also knew coffee was growing on trees. There's about 20 people in between. Coffee touches about 20 hands between the farmer and the consumer. So I did not know too much about that. So my first step was actually to get a mentor. And this happens a little bit by accident. Um, I found a coffee mentor in New York who had been in the business for over, you know, since the 70s. He, he helped Starbucks open their third store. Wow. That's, how much wow. Of a That's a great mentor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he took me under his wing um, and, and kind of, you know, taught me all the little things that would have taken me forever. I would have needed a boot camp <laughs> right. to get started. But he took me under his arm. He was very sort of intrigued by the mission. And he was also uh, a lover of Kenyan coffee. So Kenyan coffee is one of the most uh, celebrated coffee in the um, in the coffee industry. If you ask any coffee connoisseur, they'll tell you Kenyan coffee is their favorite. It has the same sort of standing that you know French wines have in terms of sort of that uh, exquisiteness and rareness. So Kenyan coffee is one of those coffees that you know people know. And for me, having that direct connection to the farmers that were growing it was something that made sort of uh, was attractive to mentors that wanted to support me. So that was sort of my my ticket of like, I had this high value thing that sure. people wanted. Oh, wow. <laughs> Even though I did not know too much about other things. <laughs> wow, that's pretty amazing. Um, it's one thing to know the growing side. It's another to package up and make a finished product that people will buy. Um, yep. It was great to have a mentor. Like what were the first couple of things you guys had to work on together? Um, the first one was... Um, obviously the packaging, you know, the, the labels, those are basic. I, you know, just got a, got someone to do the current design is not our initial design, as you can imagine. <laughs> you <laughs> right, um, right. I got a designer to sort of do our first branding, which ironically was kind of like on the luxury side. So it was like old British. It was like, it was still a lion, but it was like old British royal type of marketing. Right. And that was where we were going with that. And he, and then that was the first thing, like packaging, where you're going to put it. And then the second thing was, what kind of coffee are you going to make? There's so many types of coffee, right? You can make this flavor, right. this cold brew, there's, you know, you can focus on blends, you can focus on single origins, which single origins. So he helped me kind of create that first menu okay. of what coffees I was going to offer. And then he actually did the roasting for me. Oh, so wow. Had to, and yeah, where did you had, do that, though? We, we did that in uh, in Brooklyn. Okay. Um, there's a shared facility uh, off of um, uh, off of the harbor, almost. It's actually, Got it. And he knew where that was, so he could help you get connected into that. 
yeah, so that's why he roasted and he 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 helped me kind of all the logistics of dealing with coffee helped me with that. Um, I got started and after I started to get my feet wet is when I was able to actually move to San Francisco. And that's where we've mostly been growing our business. Now, did you know... Okay, so you started um, the the work there in Brooklyn. Were you already yeah. selling product then or were you testing different flavors and whatnot? Like, what did that look like? Um, so I, I, I tested by doing uh, tastings, actually. Okay. So I once I had the packaging and once I had the blends, I would do like tastings in... Um, naturally offices because <laughs> that's right, why I had of course. my <laughs> connections. So I do tastings at offices, I do tastings at um um shops, so other shops in the in the city like boutique shops. I started selling at like uh, uh groceries, small grocery stores so like Park Slope uh is like a co-op in, in, in Brooklyn that we still sell at. It was actually our first retail that we still sell at. <laughs> wow. That's cool. Um, so I started going to small shops and, and and really asking them to carry the product um and doing sort of partnerships. So that was uh, the first step in really testing the market, getting feedback. And that's when I started getting feedback about um the branding, sort of people not being able to tell that it was African. Um, because they, it looked British and it looked super luxury, which didn't translate to uh, the mission-driven uh, sort of brand that we were going after. And so we went, and it used to be just all black and white. So sure. we, that's when we transitioned into colorful, something that tells you first on, this is Africa and this is an exciting a brand and you know it communicates all the things that we want to communicate so sure. yeah that's <laughs> cool and then what about packaging how did you figure out packaging and like what size and you know all the design etc yeah i mean that's something that's still evolving um and in the industry uh right now for instance we are we just uh or rather we're gonna introduce we're working on a new website. So that's saying it's evolving. Right. <laughs> so right now we're working on a new website that's got that's gonna look exactly like our packaging and be very on brand. Um so that's we're gonna be launching that soon. But in the meantime, started small, you know, kind of out of the box type of website. Um, got a design, I gave them the concepts, um, and then they mocked something up. And uh we just the, the good thing about coffee is because of the size of the industry, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of other companies that support uh, small specialty coffee companies. So there's companies that do packaging. There's companies that do all sorts of things. When you're starting out, there's companies that can do a lot of things for small minimums. Got it. So that's an advantage of coffee because it's such a developed industry. There's 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 a service provider for everything. <laughs> I'm sure that's right. <laughs> um, so that's that's the advantage. So we started off with using those small. Obviously, they're small, so they're high cost. And now over time, we've been able to go to you know manufacture our products, uh, you know in larger quantities. Sure. Um, in other facilities, yeah. It's interesting. I, I and also read about your product that uh, Kenyan women provide over ninety percent of the labor in the African coffee industry. Sadly, these women farmers are largely uncompensated for their work and own just one percent of the farmland in their country. Um, and it is the only brand. You're the only brand that allows customers to directly tip the farmers. This is so cool via electronic payment. You, you put a QR code on the packaging and links to a website so customers can send a tip to the farmer's wallet. I mean, like. How does that work? And how did you figure out to do that? Yeah, no, I think that's one of the things I'm like really super proud about. I bet. And that's so cool. So, and in our new website, we're going to even make the website that we're launching um, later next month. 
we're going to even make it much more interesting to tip farmers and interact with farmers. But the, the, the reason I came up with that was from personal experience. So I knew that on the farm, most of the work was being done by women but they didn't get paid because they didn't own the land. So all the payments went to the male member of the household, but then the women still were the ones responsible for the household. So when I started Kahawa, I wanted a way to get money in the hands, but into the hands of the women. And that's how we started a women's fund where all the tips go to the women. Wow, and now so with cool. our launch with Trader Joe's, where we're getting a lot of participation from shoppers that part of money is growing and now um, the women are actually starting to do projects. So they're buying the first uh, machine that will create jobs in the community that will give them more income. So it's really, it's, it's something that I thought of like, okay, how can we fit into the way that the women already exist, which is how do they already support themselves, right? They're unbanked, sure. but they found a way of banking themselves. How can we support them? directly without sort of coming in and inventing something new that they can really use. Um, so that's been one of the things I'm, I'm really proud of. And I hope that uh, more and more people can participate. Oh, I love that. What a cool uh, integration in your packaging. Um, when did you know it was real? Was there a point when you're like, okay, people are buying this? Like, how did that look at the beginning? You know what I mean? Versus it all being the upfront work to get a product together? Yeah, we we've actually had a pretty atypical uh, growth trajectory because we went, we didn't go direct. So we started off sort of direct to consumer on the website, but our largest growth was a B2B at first. So we were actually selling to offices because we're in the Bay Area. Sure. We're able to sell to tech offices. So the Facebooks, the Twitters. So we had such sort of huge volumes in the B2B uh, space. Until last year <laughs> when the pandemic hit, right? <laughs> right, of course. And then everything shut down. Right. Um, and then we had to figure out how do we, you know, grow the business uh, without sort of that office space. And that's when we really went, went right into DTC. Um, sure. And that, that was, a, that was in, in hindsight, that was a good for us because now we've been able to move into grocery. We just launched in Trader Joe's and we'll be launching in Target as well. Not public yet, but I think it'll be public very soon. <laughs> so, and so the, the, goal, the goal was we went from, you know, B2B, which was, uh, an, you know, an easier place to start. Sure. But I think DC for us is a more exciting, more sort of larger growth prospect. So we really Got like, it. you know, dealing directly with customers and getting people really excited about the one-to-one -one connections. And what was your process of getting into Trader Joe's? I mean, that's a, that's a great win um, and definitely gives you great, um, you know, I'd say breadth and scale in the market. Like, what did that look like? Oh my God. It was uh, <laughs> <laughs> months a big deal, and right? months and months and months. Um, it's, right. It didn't uh, happen overnight. Right, you mean. It's, hard. <laughs> it's hard to say what was the moment, right? Sure. Um, what was the moment? But I think it was, again, all of the work that we did uh, before that, um, all of the customer uh, sort of interactions, all the small things, you know, we built brick by brick that we did that we built trust and credibility with our communities. And that was something that we were able to bring to Trader Joe's. And, you know, they, they, they love the tipping aspects. They, they love our mission and what we're doing with women. And also, again, you know, the packaging looks great on the shelf as well. Uh, we had the capabilities. So there's a lot of, you know, stepping stones that we did early on that were not directly kind of going for Trader Joe's. But when that opportunity presented itself, we were ready. Wow. 
That's so cool. And were you ready from a scale perspective? I mean, you know, you go, going from direct to consumer with a couple boxes and, you know, each is versus like many, many boxes of product and, and whatnot. What did that look like? I have to say it was not the best time. <laughs> <Manual>. <laughs> because, because of the pandemic and right? because of what's happening. I, I'm sure you already, you know what's happening with the international yes. parts, right? right. <laughs> So, I mean, yeah, so first we had the Egypt Canal and right. stack for yeah. around time. It was delays <laughs> there. Right. Yeah. So you can imagine because that's where the coffee passes through that canal. And oh, then, wow. and then af- after that, you have, you know, from China, the ports are backed up like crazy because yep. of everyone's buying a lot of things. I don't know where they're getting money from, but <laughs> people <laughs> right. are buying things. <laughs> it seems like so the, the consumer <laughs> economy has continued to accelerate. Isn't it amazing? It's amazing. Yeah. People, people just, I don't know. I guess we're, we're printing. Money's coming. Right. So people I mean, are buying a lot perfect. of things. People are spending. Yeah. Yep. I mean, we've probably had to do things a little bit differently than we would be in a typical economy, like, you know, flying in bags. Right. Super expensive versus yeah, airship yeah. is always yeah. more expensive than ocean for those listening that haven't ever uh, sourced yeah. products. So I think, yeah. So we just had to, it was a bit more costly than it would have been sure. um, under normal times. But I think we, we like the opportunity that we, we were kind of um, excited to, to do that. That's awesome. Um, so what are the keys to growth and from here? You know, what are the priorities as things open up, markets open up, et cetera? Like, how are you thinking about the next six to 12 months? Yeah. So I think for us, we want to grow more distribution. Um, and we've proven that we can do the scale um, at grocery. Uh, now that we can do Trader Joe's, which, as you know, is huge, huge um, number of stores. So we can if we can do that. We can do a lot of other groceries. So that's really what we've um, one of our growth areas. And then the next part is I'm really excited about the DTC part, right? Growing our direct to consumer from our website and um, the third channel, which I know you you, you know more than I do <laughs> the marketplace. <laughs> right. So I want to do more marketplaces. So it's kind of a three tier. So grocery shelf, yep. um, then our own website subscriptions and growing that. And then the third one, which I think has great potential, is the marketplace. So doing regular sort of the Amazons, um, which I'm sure you're familiar with, but also there's a growing number of coffee marketplaces themselves. Got it. Um, So just really tapping into the aggregation that's happening in retail. That's great. Really, really good. Um, I always love to ask our guests what would have been two or three of the biggest lessons learned or pieces of advice they'd offer to our audience. Um, and you certainly have have lived um, and, and you know kind of this early yeah. growth of a brand. What would yeah. be two or three things you've said then biggest lessons learned or experiences you've had you'd share with our audience? Yeah. So I think, again, so many lessons. And in hindsight, they look like there were such tiny flips <laughs> right uh, but at the time they seem like okay this could sink the boat <laughs> but i think the the my first lesson is sort of the power of mentors the power of relying on um experts or people that have walked in your shoes before um they provide really amazing um insight and kind of help you uh have a shortcut so you don't you avoid costly mistakes and then the second lesson was um, you have to build, you, you, you know, nothing is happens overnight. You have to be patient with the process that it takes to build a brand authentically. 
so be comfortable with being small and growing um as opposed to sort of expecting something to <laughs> to happen overnight so i'm starting to really appreciate all that time that i had to make those uh, to build a community that because that community has been um you know long standing um you know with us even as we've grown and the third thing um i think is as you i'm sure you know it's do something you love. Right. You've got to enjoy it, right? It's going to be ups and downs. And right. <laughs> if you're doing, if you don't have passion for what you're doing. So for instance, like I love coffee. I love the mission that I'm doing. Like even if I'm going through really, really hard times, remembering why I'm doing it really makes, makes the case that I can be up at like 2, 3 a.m. working on something because I'm really, really passionate about it. So I, I think for a lot of people that are looking to go into something, um, make sure that you, it's something you would enjoy doing regardless. Right, of um, course. So, yeah, because there's no, there's going to be struggles. You better enjoy, you know, um, you know, you better enjoy building something that is also a hobby. Right, um, totally. So, totally. So agree. those are my three learnings. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I mean, I'm sure with with different people, there's you know different emphasis um, on different things. But I, I think that a lot of those things make you stronger as well. Yeah, no doubt. I love it. Great advice. Um, and man, I'm excited for your brand. I think it's uh, super exciting uh, what you have in front of you. Share with our audience how they can connect with you, find your product, buy your product outside of Trader Joe's, etc. You can find uh, our coffee. We offer ground whole bean, and we have this really cool single serve coffee that's coffee in a tea bag on our website. Um, the website is www.kahawa1893.com. That's K A H A W A 1893.com. Or if you just, just Google 1893 coffee, it'll <laughs> come up. Um, yeah. I know Kahawa is a little bit hard to type. And um, so we, we have a lot of different coffees there and uh, you, you'll be able to learn more about our story and uh, support our farmers. And we'll be uh, getting into Target uh, shortly as well. So we'll be oh, available. wow. That's huge. Nationwide. Yeah. <laughs> Target oh, yeah. nationwide. Oh, my God. Drop the mic yeah. at the last moment. That's huge. Yes. So we will be, we'll be wow. I like to say we, we uh, got into two cult brands which are like great um, Trader Joe's and, and, and Target tend to have like very passionate shoppers. Sure. So we feel lucky that we, th those were sort of our first um, retail adventures. <laughs> That's <laughs> two small retailers, you know, Trader Joe's and Target, you know, anybody would love to be in. Uh, that's so awesome. I'm so excited for you, Maggie. And um, listen, I'd love to have you back on down the road. You can share more of your experience and stories. You're going to have many more, I'm sure. And um, we'll be looking for your brand. Um, and just, I, I hope you'll come back and visit with us down the road. Um, I'd love to. Thanks a lot for having me, Justin. And uh, I look forward to listening to more Contender, <laughs> contender episodes. <laughs> I love it. Thanks for being here. The Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck and powered by Contender Brands. You can download additional Contender Cast episodes directly via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartMedia, YouTube, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the ContenderCast, connect with us at ContenderCast.com. 
This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender.